Hello and welcome to Bills from Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host Charlie. Charlie, first, before we uh, get on and talk about what we're doing today, got to say it's been a rough week for the Bills. Yeah, it has. It's it's the last sort of week or so has been um, pretty unpleasant for the Bills, for Bills fans, and um, you know the wider NFL community. I think. Um, you know, it's, this isn't obviously something that we imagine we'd be talking about, but the Mataraza punter situation has been, um, you know, national news in the US and um, all over the NFL, and it's um, it's been a rough rough week. I think a lot of us have struggled to know what to think about what's happened, why it's happened, you know, why it's happened in the order that it has. Um, but I think that we have to start off with, you know, any any comment on this has, you know, our, our thoughts have to go out to. Uh, this, this poor woman in, in San Diego that's been through what seemingly is an absolutely horrific situation. Um, you know, the allegations are what everyone has read. Um, it's hard not to read those and not feel pretty ill about it. Um, any of us can imagine what that must be like. But it's it's, it's pretty horrific. Um, it's as bad as anything that I've read in, in recent years. And um, I think that always needs to be the starting point, the, the victim of what is a really a very, very serious situation. Um I've read a lot about what, what's happened. I'm sure you have as well. I've listened to a lot of other people talk about it. Um, I don't think it's wise for us to repeat or go into the allegations that have been made. You know, it's not our area of expertise. We're not, we're not legal people. We're certainly not, um, let's say, knowledgeable about the U.S. process. Um, but I, th- I think we can talk a little bit about how the bills have handled it uh, to a certain extent. And for as far as we can piece together they weren't aware of these allegations during the draft um, which I think was a relief for me you know the fact that they didn't draft him knowing that this was a case um, Bean did come out and say that if they had known he wouldn't have been on their board which again is is positive from my perspective um, but they did know about this you know about a month ago and um, that wasn't made public and it seems that they've been going through some kind of internal investigation and then seemingly concluded that because they cut Matt Hawk um and clearly selected their punter and um you know seemingly happy about selecting their punter you know we had mcdermott going on tv laughing and joking about the punter we had josh allen talking about about him as well you know when they knew all of this was in the background um which certainly made me feel pretty uneasy i think the fact he didn't play in preseason was a good thing um you know that last preseason game it was it was good that they realized that that might not be able to continue now this announcement of the civil case had been made. Um, I think it was interesting on um, the Around the NFL podcast, Cynthia Freeland was with the team at that time, and they actually asked for her opinion as to whether he should play, and she she indicated that he shouldn't. I think it was nice to hear that they asked for her opinion um, because you know, somebody who's sort of you know, aware of the old whole NFL and, 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 and a woman and working with the team at that time. I thought it was good that they had the awareness of that. I think it's very, very good news that they were, they cut, decided to cut him, um, you know, without going into the details of what he was accused of having anything around, being anywhere close to that kind of situation is, is pretty horrific. And they don't, certainly don't want to be associated with something like that. I think it is a fair question to ask why it took so long, why it took them a month and why they concluded that he was their guy, given this was hanging over him and that being said, if they'd known about this, they wouldn't have drafted him. I think that's something that they probably owe us an explanation on. And I hope that they do give us an explanation and indicate what they learned. Um, I'd recommend if people want to sort of listen to, I think, 
people that know the situation far better than I, I think the Buffalo beat this week has been, was really excellent in terms of covering this in detail. Uh, Tim Graham was on that with Job Scalier and um, Matthew Fairburn. And I think they, they asked some very good and, and solid questions. And I think there's no need for us to repeat those things, but I'd, I'd certainly turn to that. I also thought Cynthia Freeland on the NFL offered a good perspective on how the team reacted, you know, some of the players, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, when this was all happening. And again, that's, that's worth it, worth listening to, but, I mean, I think we do have to say that, you know, McBean, they always preach culture. They always talk about that being the most important thing. It's a fair question to ask, why did it take so long? And why did they think that this was the right path as recently as a week ago to cut, cut Matt Hark? Um, I mean, it could be that they were just woefully underprepared to deal with a situation like this, and they don't know how to do an investigation, and they perhaps don't, don't know how to, to balance out those arguments. It could be they were just far too trusting of, of, of someone's opinion um, that they knew better than the accuser. Um, but I do think we're on an explanation. I think I think you know we've, what we've seen of this this leadership team is they do learn from from their experiences, and I hope they learn. I mean, let's face it, you and I were probably really happy that we were not in a situation or haven't been in a situation like the Browns fans are, where they're looking at their team having made a you know, pretty poor ethical decision a pretty cynical ethical decision and we've seen you know, droves about browns fans leaving the team and it certainly would have led me to serious questions about my fandom for the bills if, if we'd have hung on to a razor with this hanging over him um so yeah i think are we any better than, than the browns i'm not sure that we are i, I think that we've come to a, a better position in the end but yeah it still feels it just still doesn't feel great from my perspective. I don't think there's any reason for us to be uh, patting the bills on the back and congratulating them for getting to the right decision. The process didn't seem right from my perspective. I do hope they've learned from that. I'm still pretty uneasy with it, but on balance, I'm happy that we're in a situation where we can um, at least move on from it. Um, I don't know. Anything you want to add to that? Um, any, any different perspectives? Not particularly. No, I think you said it really all really well and really eloquently so I appreciate uh, your time and uh, putting those words together now um, I think uh, as you said like it's something that you know we it's happened it happened over a really quick time frame uh, in terms of the news dropping and I think the bills went into a bit of panic mode um, you know and you know, they put out this uh, ill-advised, you know, uh, statement on social media. So they've already concluded the investigation. Well, they clearly didn't. So I, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I think you've uh, done a really good job. Um, but I think ultimately they made the right decision, albeit it took a bit of time to get there. And hopefully, as you say, they learn from it. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they will. Uh, I'm sure they'll like look at other organisations as well and see what they've done after these kinds of, um, you know, uh, scandals have come out and, you know, there'll be, you know, something set up to ensure that there's a better process and, you know, mm. they avoid, you know, or try to as best as they can avoid this kind of situation happening again. I mean, I, I would have liked them to have come out and suspended Madareza pending the investigation. Um, I think Bean raised a good point, which is, you know, these, these guys are not, qualified investigators you know probably the in-house counsel isn't really that's not point out their area of expertise either um of course if they'd done that that would have forced them to come out publicly and, and they probably didn't want to do that whilst they were still trying to work it through but i think that yeah something doesn't feel quite right about that process and i think it does re require further scrutiny and i think as long as you can see that they've learned lessons and they've they'll they'll 
not put themselves in this position again, you can kind of move on from it. But while that's sort of still a thing, I mean, we count on the journalists in Buffalo and around to uh, to see that they are sort of held, account, held to account for how they handled that. Um, as I said, I think we've got to the right position in the end, but it still doesn't feel great. I mean, yeah. maybe one other final thing on this. I'm fortunate that I've never been in a situation like this through my work. I don't think you have either. Um, it, it, it's something that if you have never dealt with before, it's, it's hard to come up with what the right answers are. And I, I don't, certainly don't have them. I don't know what the rules and regulations are for, for dealing with situations like this and whether you can just cut somebody uh, based upon an accusation. Um, I think they, they timed it in such a way that it sort of was mired in the, the general cuts, but I don't know. It's uh, yeah, pretty unpleasant stuff. And uh, I just hope that uh, you know, the people affected by this um, get some, some peace through the, at the end of it and uh, the people that are responsible are certainly held to account. Yeah, definitely. So All it's right. really hard to uh, transition from such a serious uh, topic as that one uh, straight to what we're going to be talking about today, which I've been really excited to actually do this podcast. I know I've been mentioning it to you, Charlie, uh, through texts and stuff over the last month, I feel like saying, I really want to do this podcast. So we're finally here and we're finally in the position that we can kind of do this and talk about uh, the NFL season, just like overall NFL season, uh, predictions for each division. Uh, we've also placed some bets. Uh, for the regular season as well. So um, team over-unders, uh, division winners, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll be talking about all that. And then as part of the um, second segment will be just like um, a predictive uh, Bill's weekly betting strategy for 2022. So last year, last couple of seasons uh, that me and Charlie have been betting on the Bills, we've been... Uh, you know, we've had specific like uh, things that we looked at, like especially wide receivers as we go spread offense. We we tended to look at wide receiver uh, receptions over unders, that kind of thing. But with a new play call and new signings, uh, it looks like potentially new schemes. We just had a look at it and thought about well, for the initial first few weeks of the season kind of what we will be looking at, what markets we'll be looking at, where will we stay away from potentially that uh, we used to uh, look at. So yeah, that's what we're going to do today. So we'll get straight into it with the NFL season prediction. So start, uh, Charlie, just before we uh, talk about division by division, I just thought when going through this exercise, like did you find any overall themes? Uh, we don't want to give too much away, but just any overall themes um, about how you see the season and like, what's your biggest surprise as well from like, what, what were you going through this exercise? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, without sort of wanting to get ahead of myself, I had for all the AFC divisional winners coming up with the same record of 14 and three, which actually was a little better than I had predicted the bill. So, so slight spoiler alerts. Um, it's uh yeah, it was certainly interesting. I think generally the NFC I found a little bit easier to yeah. predict. Uh, the AFC is just so, so challenging because there's just so many great teams. Um, I mean, I think there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the AFC that have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl, which is nuts, really, across those four divisions. Yeah. Um, uh, Texans came out the worst, um, <laughs> which I think, 1-16, which feels actually a little bit unfair. I think they're more talented than that. But when you just go through game by game by game, you just think, where are they going to get a win? Um, I have the, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I think that the, the Patriots hung on in, in third place in the division. I wasn't entirely sure if they were going to do that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, Bears didn't win a game. That was um, not surprising. Um, 
What, nothing? You got nothing. Zero, yeah, seven, zero. The only team in my predictions, they didn't win a game, um, which again, yeah. it's probably a little bit unfair. I mean, it's funny, when you go through it, it doesn't always throw out the results that you would have necessarily yeah. thought about as a record. Um, but no, I think generally those were the big things is that I think the AFC is super, super tight and super yeah. even. That's my bigger takeaway. What about yeah. you? I was just going to say quickly about like our process. I don't know if you followed the same process I did, but we're just using playerpredictors.com. Anyone could do this. I'd actually encourage anyone to do this because you might have in your mind teams that you're higher on, but until you go through this exercise, you don't really realise how you stack the teams up in your mind. And when you do this, I'd say don't look at the standings whilst you're doing this. I only looked at the standings in week 18 because obviously that's when it matters. Like, yeah, you start if to the bias bills, it otherwise, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, and... Um, uh, you know, if the Bills have got a five uh, win, uh, you know, lead over, you know, the next team or they're, you know, comfortably got the one seed, then uh, they're not going to play their starters. So they're probably, although we saw it against the Dolphins when we played the second string, we still thrashed them. But, you know, it's more likely. Uh, did you follow that process as well? Like, I did, time yeah. Avoid- I didn't. Okay. I didn't uh, didn't didn't look at it. I did go back and just correct a couple of like very minor things where I just yeah. felt, yeah, that feels like a little bit high or a little bit low here, and just looked again at some of those very tight games where you think, yeah, well, that that one could go either way. Um, yeah, but yeah, generally speaking, I would say ninety eight percent of it, I didn't really look too much. I just tried to go with gut feel. And obviously, there are some teams you think they're going to get better over the course of the season. There are some teams you think, well, yeah. you know, they might they might struggle with one or two injuries. Maybe they get a little bit worse. And just tried to go with my gut, really. Um, but yeah, fascinating process to go through. Yeah, so I kind of agree with you in terms of the overall themes, like it, to some degree. So for the AFC, I've got no AFC team. Uh, with less than six wins. So that goes to show that quite a bit different on the, All right. the Texans. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six teams with less than six wins. So, okay. yeah. But on the flip side, in the NFC, so I've got none in the AFC mm-hmm. having less than six wins. In the NFC, I've got five teams that have five wins or less. That's what I've got. Same as so, me. Yep, same as me. Yeah, so, so you, you can see that I'm definitely more high on the AFC team. I suspect the, the NFC results will be relatively similar and the AFC might be a little bit more mixed up once we get into it. Yeah, no, good stuff. So we'll start by division, the divisions then and we'll go straight to the AFC East then. Because uh, we've done this exercise on a separate podcast way earlier in the off-season, uh, like the first look fixtures, kind of where we fought. I think, were you 13-4 as well or 14-3? I was 13-4, and four, but yeah. when I went through it, I was a little bit more generous, I guess, and, and went 14-3. Yeah. Um, Shall we start from the bottom to... to the top, I think you revealed sure. it anyway. Patriots are like the second bottom team in your yeah. But do you want to just go through and say like? So I got team? the Jets at three and fourteen. Um, I got the Patriots at five and twelve. Dolphins at ten and seven, and Bills at fourteen and three. And one of the reasons why I, um, I mean, I had my original prediction of thirteen and four, but when I did it again. I don't really see the Bills losing that week three, sorry, uh, yeah, week four game against the, the Ravens, which I had down initially as a loss. I think when you really look at it, I think the Bills are actually, I think the Ravens have some flaws and I think the Bills are going to beat that, beat the Ravens. I also debated the very last game against the Patriots uh, because of course that could be a game where potentially the Bills are resting the starters, but I had to, I had to keep with what I had originally predicted, which was a Bills win simply because the AFC is so freaking competitive. They're going to be, 
they're going to be going for the uh, the one seed. So they're going to have to play their starters in that game. And if they play their starters, you've got to think they're going to they're going to have their way against the uh, the Pats. So yeah, um, slightly different to what I originally predicted. Um, but yeah, fourteen three. What about you? Yeah, good stuff. So I've got it in the same order. So Jets six and eleven, Patriots seven and ten, Dolphins eight and nine, and the Bills. 13 and 4. And when we done that podcast back in the off-season when we first looked at fixtures, I think I said the Dolphins could be a 10 to 11 win team. So it's interesting, like, looking back to that episode and kind of what I said there, that, you know, my opinion on the Dolphins has changed and they've, it's dropped a little bit. There's no reason for that necessarily because they've still got two, they've still, you know, made the same signings, still got the same. I don't know. I just, going through this exercise, I just felt like a, a little bit low on them, clearly. But uh, I've changed only one game I think because I went for a Browns loss and obviously Deshaun Watson will be out for that game and I thought even with Jacoby would set that could be a lost game just because it'll be deep in you know the Buffalo winter the, the, the Browns are a really good running team you know we, we, we've um, had trouble before uh, playing against that type of team uh, at Buffalo uh, so I thought that could be a loss but I, I changed it to the Vikings and I think you went there as well before and I just felt like you know that matchup um you know, I think that might be a tougher game than I expected. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what I've got for AFC East. So I think we'll just go division by division. Yep. Then we'll look at the standings uh, at the end of it. So um, what about the AFC South next? Let's go there. All right, AFC South. So I have the Colts winning it. 14 and 3, which actually I thought was way higher than I, I would have anticipated beforehand. I always saw them more as like a 10, maybe 11 win team, but you went through their games and I think they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna go six and zero in their own division. Um and that, that makes plays a big role. I think it's also a really well-rounded team. And then got the Titans and Jags both at five and twelve. So Jags pretty much where I expect them to be. I think they're gonna be a bit better than last year. I think they're on an upward trajectory, but they're still far from sure. But the Titans will taking a few steps back I think uh, they're uh, I think their schedule is quite hard and uh, I think they're, they're a weaker team than they were last year I've got Texans at 1 and 16 which honestly seemed a little bit unfair I think they're probably worth at least three wins but when I went through the games you know I just yeah. didn't see them winning many that's it and when you do it like that you know it's unbiased you're not thinking about what the standing is and then that you know affects your results so again I really encourage anyone to do this and um, did you say the Titans the same record as the Jaguars yeah, at five, five wins and 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that is a serious regression from the uh, first I'm not saying that they won't regress I have got them regressing but not to that level so that's really interesting but that is the Colts being 14 and 3, I've got exactly the same thing. They're my first seed uh, in the AFC, which I was shocked by. I knew I quite liked the Colts, but not that much. But it's not necessarily about just the team and, you know, the Colts team or whatever team you look at. It's about the divisions they play. So, obviously, not only their own division, uh, where they'll obviously play the team six it's times, division. but it's, it's a super weak division. It's a super weak division, but then whichever, like, um, whenever you do this, whenever you look at standings, it's also about the divisions you play. So for the AFC South, they've got the AFC West, which is clearly a really hard division, but the NFC East, and that's a pretty weak division in my mind. I'll get to that shortly. But, you know, that kind of evens it out. The fact that the AFC South itself is pretty weak and the AFC, NFC East is pretty weak. You know, you've got, you know, nine games against those teams. So if you're playing a weaker schedule in our minds, then, you know, there's more chance of them having a better record. So just to give you mine, so I said the Texans there, six and 11 at the bottom. Uh, Jaguars and Titans, this was the biggest surprise to me. I've got them tying at the same record. Jaguars over 500. 
got them at nine and eight somehow, some way. <laughs> I do not know how no, because I can... I'm not that high on them myself. Well, but... I I think they're one of those that they're one of these teams that is fairly like he's one of the candidates i would say for the biggest step forward you know we we know that trevor lawrence underneath it all he's got real talent it's a much better coaching situation just taking away urban meyer is gonna it's gonna make them a a plus team yeah and there is talent on that team that he genuinely has talent you know yeah but it it was just really badly organized and they've drafted i think quite well again so I, i can see it yeah and then, as I said, the Colts are fourteen and three. So now we kind of, kind of see it uh, pretty similarly, just uh, different records. So um, we'll go to the uh, AFC North then. Next of all, all right. So AFC North, I have the Browns at three, four, sorry, four and thirteen, um, which feels a little wow. bit low. Um, yeah. I would say I think it's more talented than that. But again, when you go through the games, the they're going to have a long time without Deshaun Watson. I've got the Steelers at eight at nine. That was one I actually corrected a little bit when I went through it. They were a little bit low. I just feel they're going to grit out games. I also think their quarterback situation is a bit better than people are giving it credit for. No matter who starts, I think they've got, they'll have competent quarterback play. And then I've got the Bengals and the Ravens tied at 14 and three, with the Ravens having a marginally better uh, divisional record of five and one. Um, that was, I think that's just really tough to call. I can see it equally being the other way around. Um, I just think that the, um, yeah. The Ravens' schedule is not that difficult. Um, I think I do think the Bills will beat them in week four, but overall, I think that there's a lot of teams that they match up quite well against. Yeah, no, that all sounds kind of in line with what I've got. Although the Browns, yeah, being that low, I'm quite surprised by that, I have to admit. <laughs> but that's what it throws out, you know, yeah. things that you don't expect. So, Brown, uh, so sorry, Steelers at the bottom, but only by record um, in terms of uh, tiebreakers and that type of thing. So, I've got them at six, seven and 11, uh, seven and 10. Mm-hmm. Browns also at seven and 10. Uh, Ravens and Bengals time, but I've got Bengals with a better uh, tiebreaker at 12 and 5, so both 12 and 5, so a pretty strong division. Fairly, which it's what, fairly similar apart from, you know, yeah, my Browns being a bit lower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, so no, that's that's good. Uh, and then lastly for the AFC, uh, AFC West. All right, Broncos 10 and 7, but the worst performing team in the division. I just think it's going to take them a little bit while to get going. I think at the Raiders at 11 and 6, Chargers at 13 and four and Chiefs at 14 and three. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty surprised at uh, the lowest. Well, everyone's saying that, you know, the AFC West, it's so, you know, uh, it's such a heavyweight division. There's so many strong teams, you know, it's not really a weak team, but I just look at the Raiders and I think like, clearly they've got the new, you know, front office, new coaching staff. I think they'll do really well there. And I was pretty high on them at the start of the off-season, but I think I've calmed down a little bit on them just because you look at offensive line, like from left tackle across the way. You know, look at, you know, we're recording this uh, on the 30th of all, uh, August uh, evening, which is the cut day. So we're, we're, we're right in the midst of all the cuts now. And we see Alex Leverwood's being released. What a terrible draft pick that is. But anyway, just this O-line and... In the interior defensive front, I just think they're pretty weak. So I've got them at six and eleven. Uh, Broncos eleven and six, eleven and six. Chargers twelve and five, and Chiefs at fourteen and three. So we kind of see it similarly, but the yeah. Raiders, I'm a lot lower on. Clearly, well, I think the Raiders are just a settled team, um, and whereas the Broncos are one where I think eventually the the Broncos will be the better team in the division, but. I just think that first year of getting used to each other, a new quarterback, uh, I think there's a lot of talent on that Broncos roster. I think they'll win plenty of games. But And actually, you have the, you know, 
the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders all making the playoffs, and the, the Broncos just just missing out. I mean, it's only one game in it between the the, the Broncos and the Raiders. Um, equally, I could see the Chargers winning and the Chiefs being. I think the Chiefs are being slightly undervalued this year. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of hype around the Chargers, but they're still. Whenever you've got Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think you've you've always got um, a chance in every game. And when we started slowly last year, he quickly got back into the rhythm. And I don't know. I, I find it hard to look past the Chiefs in most games they play. Mm. And I know Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, one of the best in the division, uh, in the league. But um, you can't like not realise the value of Andy Reid as well being there. Like if you took one of them away, I think, you know, they wouldn't be quite the unit that they clearly are. And as you say, I think they are being undervalued and I think they'll be very strong. I still think that, you know, it's their division to win. You know, the Chargers, a lot of people are saying they've got the best, the better roster on paper. Well, I think they've got to prove that still. They've made some really, you know, clearly some big splashes in the off-season. We need to see it come together. And, you know, I think uh, Brandon Staley's got a lot to prove. Clearly, he's an aggressive coach. We'll see if it pays out off, you know. I, I still think it's the Chiefs to lose. So, um, yeah, that's really good. So, Overall, then, for the AFC, we'll do the standings for the AFC only in this portion. So, who have you got, like, from starting from seven to, to one? Like, how did it play out? Yeah, so um, let me just find the right spot in the list. So, we have the uh, – where am I missing? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, in seventh place, we have the Raiders, and they would match up – well, yeah, so let's go from the reverse order. Seventh place, got the Raiders. Sixth, I've got the Chargers. Fifth, I've got the Bengals. Fourth, I've got the Bills. Fourth. Third, I've got the Colts. Second, I've got the Chiefs, which gives the Raiders the bye, which is kind of nuts, and it feels a little bit weird. But let me let me be clear. I've got the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Bills all on exactly the same record. So let's face wow. it, just one or two little changes here and there, that whole um, that whole structure could be uh, could be different. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I've got uh, Broncos at seven, Chargers at six, Ravens at five, Bengals at four, Bills at three, uh, Chiefs at two, and Colts at one somehow, somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the only difference really is the Ravens. I think that's, you know, Ravens and the Broncos, um, and equally I could happily swap out the, the Raiders and Broncos as the seventh, but I think the, the big difference there is where you have the Ravens uh, by the sounds of things. So, yeah, but it's not that dissimilar. No, no, it's really good. Should we move on to the NFC then? Yeah, sure. So let's start with the NFC East as we started there uh, on the opposite side. So we're in um, reverse order, what you got it? So I've got the Giants and the Commanders both at five and twelve, with the Commanders uh, finishing bottom of the uh, of that division. Then I've got the Cowboys at eleven and six, which is certainly higher than I would have perhaps anticipated. But again, their schedule's not super difficult. And then I've got the Eagles at fifteen and two, which is kind of nuts. Whoa! Yeah, and, and it feels too high, honestly. Um, but that's how it matched up. Yeah, and I kind of compared all the divisions, see what um, opponents are facing. So obviously, NFC East, they play their own teams, but they also play the NFC North and the AFC South, which are both really weak divisions outside yeah. of the Packers, in my mind, and, and the Colts, as we talked about. Like, look at the rest of that division, they're winnable games, and then their own in the division, um, you know, the Eagles, you know, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders, they play them six times. Like, you know, you can see a path, maybe not to 15 wins, but to them, you know, been really successful in this league so I've gone for commanders uh, have a bottom 4 and 13 and then Giants and Cowboys both at 6 and 11 with the uh, Eagles at 12 and 5 so clearly I'm a lot lower on, on the Cowboys I just feel like that's such a fragile team like in terms of 
you know, we saw the Tyron Smith news, you know, their O-line, you know, without him as a left tackle, they've got Zach Martin in there, but he's a guard. Like, what, what, what's he able to do? You know, he's not able to uh, make the rest of the line stronger because he's there. Um, Dak Prescott, he's a good quarterback, but he's had injuries. You look at Mike McCarthy. Um, and I think, you know, if they get off to a bad start, you know, I think they could potentially have a really poor season this season. I mean, I'm, so. a, I'm a bit of a Dak. Dak um, fan, I think he's. I think he's a, he's apologist. a really, yeah, I guess apologist. I suppose. I think Zeke's, you know, a talented guy, and I can see a bounce back season. If I would have picked beforehand, I would have had the Cowboys about ten and five. That roughly, you know, given who they're playing in that division, uh, Giants and Commanders should be relatively straightforward. I would. The Eagles feel way too high for me. Fifteen and two seems insane. I would have. I would have said maybe more like, uh, yeah. 12 and five, maybe is what I would have expected, but that's how it played out. And um, yeah, yeah, interesting to see. Yeah. So we go from the NFC East to the NFC North then. So uh, how have you ranked that? Bears getting a big fat zero and 17. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I, it's hard to feel anything about the Bears really. I, I do think their quarterback situations better but I just don't think we're surrounding with enough and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard division. to go it's pretty hard to go 0 and 17 though like, it is yeah, we've yeah. seen it a couple of times obviously when there were 16 games for Lions in I think 2008 obviously at Browns more recently 2016 I feel like um, but yeah the tricky thing be... is who are they going to be who are they going to be that's the problem when you go through it they just you just don't see it and of course there can be injuries that can change things and, and I'm sure it won't be as bad as that but um, that's how it played out I've got the Lions at 7 and 10 which I think is a reasonable improvement I've got the Vikings at 9 and 8 which again is pretty much where I would have thought they felt Packers at 15 and 2 feels a little high um, I, I feel like they are going to be slightly weaker than last year but you know Aaron Rodgers is that wild card um, so the, you know in terms of what I would have predicted Packers would have certainly been a little bit worse off Bears probably a little bit better off but the Vikings and like but the order is exactly what I would have predicted yeah I don't think you're uh, incorrect with the Packers like being that strong uh, when I compared all the divisions who they're playing and doing the overlap. NFC uh, North was pretty favourable. Like Clearly, they've got their own division and you've got the Lions and Bears in there. But the NFC East as well, that's a pretty weak division as we talked about. And the AFC East, like outside of the Bills, like, I've only got the Dolphins going eight and nine, like everyone else below that. So you look at who the Packers are playing and I think there's definitely a pathway to them probably having the best like record in the NFL, to be fair. Um, so I can certainly see that. Uh, so for me, yeah, so I've got Bears 2-15. and 15. They're the lowest uh, record that I've got, you know, so they would own the number one pick in the 2023 draft. Then I've got the Lions very close to 8-9, and nine, I've gone for. Then the Vikings at 11-6. and six, And I really didn't think I was that high on the Vikings, but clearly I am to be 11-6. and six. And I'll talk about the uh, overall conference standings as well. I was pretty surprised where they ended up. And then the Packers at 13-4. and four. So, um, yeah, I think the Packers... Yeah, it's interesting and- you say that. I could see the Vikings taking a game off the Packers, you know, at home maybe. Yeah, no, I wouldn't um, and so I could certainly see the, the Vikings being there or thereabouts. It feels like just on the fringes of a playoff team, you know, sort of just missing out or the seventh, seventh selection, maybe. But yeah, 
Yeah, um, the biggest thing for that Vikings team, if they can keep the Neil Hunter uh, fit and they can get a good tandem on the edge with Zadarius Smith, um, you know that that can control the offenses and keep keep them in a lot of games. You know, uh, so a lot of those close games, like the big ones against Packers, as we talked about. So uh, yeah, no, I think they will be uh, pretty good this season. Uh, surprising. Remind me, what, what did you have the Lions as? I had them seven, uh, eight, and nine. Okay, so, so very very similar. close. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. So shall we transition to the NFC East? Uh, sorry. NFC NFC South NFC South right so I've got the Falcons at 116 which again feels a little bit mean (laughs) Panthers at 6 and 11 uh, fairly comfortable with that Saints at 10 and 7 fairly comfortable with that maybe it's a game higher than I would have expected and Bucks at 13 and 4 again maybe a game higher than I would have expected but I mean in terms of the order feels exactly what I would have predicted Falcons a little bit worse Bucks and Saints a little bit better but pretty much what I would would have expected beforehand yeah, so I've got exactly the same order, but I'll go through the record. So Falcons three and eleven at uh, eleven, three and fourteen. I need to take some math lessons. Um, Panthers four and thirteen. So I've got them lower. Like um, mm-hmm. I don't know uh, why necessarily. I think Baker Mayfield is a you know definitely an upgrade to Darnell Darnold. So did you do this before you knew Baker was going to be starting? Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, not before. After. After. I knew okay. After. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that surprised me even more so because of that uh, Saints uh, 9 and 8 and Bucks at 10 and 7 so hey, the Panthers season is probably going to be dictated by Christian McCaffrey let's be honest and how long he stays fit I mean if he stays fit you know they're, they're a match for anybody I mean that guy's incredibly talented but you know the history's shown that he doesn't and uh, yeah. that's a shame because I think he's a brilliant player to watch one of my favourite players to watch but um, it's hard to imagine that they're going to get a full season out of him yeah, I was pretty attracted by the Saints and their over-under for wins, like eight, I think it's eight and a half. I've only got it at nine. So clearly, uh, before doing this, I was, I was higher than I actually am when I go through the games and uh, project their record. Obviously, they've got you know, quite a few new pieces. I think the secondary is really fantastic and the defence as a whole is one of the you know, top five units in the league. What, what do you like think James Winston. Jameson? I mean, are you high on him? I mean, I, my general feeling is we're going to see... A better Jameis than what we saw at the box. Um, he's obviously not Drew Brees, yeah. but who is? Um, but I feel generally that the Saints are going to be a decent outfit this year. Yeah, and no, I agree. I think they'll be better. Uh, they certainly went regressed, you know, when he wasn't available, and it felt like um, they, you know, tried to rein him in a little bit, and he needed that. Um, maybe a little bit too much, you know. Sometimes when he kind of goes a little bit gung ho, it pays off, and you. you pick up a couple of games for that but I think they'll definitely be you know have a better chance and that's why I thought you know I listened to a lot of NFL podcasts and a lot of the guys are saying over for the uh, Saints wins but I went through and I was surprised I only got you know half a game above you know what they're projected at the bookmakers so and then the Bucks as well I thought you know you know the Tom Brady factor and all the weapons they've got and the good pieces they have in defense. I love Vida Vea, as we've talked about before, like Devin White on that second level. So um, I'm surprised I was a little bit down on the Bucks, although I do have them as the division winners. You know, ten and seven. Uh, you know, I was, I was pretty surprised it came out of that. Um, should we go to the last division in the NFC then the NFC West yeah so I feel like I've been a bit mean on the Seahawks again I've got them 1-16 and 16, but it's just hard <laughs> to know I mean like they don't have a quarterback right they just don't have a yeah. quarterback and I think this 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 roster is in massive transition probably they, they actually end up with more like three wins but I, I feel that they're in a really tough shape they've got a very difficult division all of the other three teams are way better than them and all have you know their answer at quarterback so I think they're going to go 0-6 in the division and then it's it's going to be slim pickings unfortunately I've got the Cardinals at 4-13 and 13. 
13, which again feels a little low, but I, I just think they're going to get beaten up. I, I think that uh, I'm, I like Kyler Murray and his style of play, but I think there's something going on in that team that isn't 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 good, isn't healthy. I think there is a culture problem. And um, I think we've seen these this weird contractual negotiations with Kyler Murray and I don't know. I'm just, I don't believe in that. Kyle Murray calling plays and all yeah, that kind of just, business. I, I, it's weird, isn't it? It just, it's hard for me to imagine that this is going to be a team that's going to punch their weight. And um, they're in, you know, up against two real behemoths, I think, in the Rams and the 49ers. So I've got the 49ers actually winning the division at 13 and four and the Rams at 12, 12 and five. I could happily swap those two over. If I would have predicted it beforehand, I would have had the Rams winning the division. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how it played out. Um, so 49ers, Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I feel like when you look at the NFC West, they've got a really hard schedule this, this this season. I feel like, A, you know, they play their own division. You know, it's a really strong division, especially with the, the top three teams. I know the Cardinals were not quite as high on, as we were last season, probably. But 49ers and Rams are still really good teams. But then they also face the uh, NFC South and AFC West. And we talked about AFC West and how that's probably the strongest division in the NFL. And then the NFC South, we've got a few teams there in the same bucks that will cause some problems. So I feel like, that division is going to cannibalise itself. Mm-hmm. And um, when we do the standings, you'll see uh, what I mean by that. So the Seahawks I've got at uh, bottom at 3 and 14. Uh, Cardinals at 7 and 10. The Rams at 10 and 7. And the 49ers at 11 and 6. So we've got it in the, again in the same order, but uh, slightly different records. I think what I'm sort of summarising from this is there are teams that I believe in and teams I really don't believe in. And if I believe in them, they're getting great records. And if they're not, they're getting terrible records and probably yeah. the answers somewhere a little bit more in between. Uh, yeah. That's how it tends to play out. You know, all these all these guys get paid. But um, yeah, I, I, I echo what you said earlier. It's a really cool exercise to go through. So people want to have a go at this playoffpredictors.com is a good, good place to look yeah definitely so standings in for the conference what what, what have you got them ranked as all right so i'm going to go from bottom to top so i've got seventh yep. place i've got the saints i've got the cowboys at sixth i've got the rams at fifth which feels really low i've got the bucks at four and i can live with that i've got the 49ers at three i can live with that i've got the packers at two which gives the eagles the the, the number one seed which seems ridiculous i would never have backed that beforehand um I'm, I'm pretty happy with those top seven i think those those are the seven that will make it the only debatable one probably is whether the vikings sneak in versus the cowboys perhaps but um other than that but the order to me is not what i would have predicted at all yeah so i've actually got vikings uh, making the playoffs for me so reverse order again saints uh, seventh uh, rams at six vikings at fifth so they're the top uh, wildcard seed wow. which really surprised okay. me uh, when going through this uh, buccaneers at four uh, 49ers are three, Eagles are two, and Packers are one. So it's so, not massively different, actually. Really, not hugely yeah, different. Yeah. No, not not massively. But I was really shocked at the Vikings like um, being above the Rams and having the, the top wildcard spot. And that, that did really shock me uh, when going through this. That was one of the – that and the Jags, I'd say, just even having nine are, and eight. And, you know, are you expecting Vikings. a bit of a regression then from the Rams um, this season from their sort of Super Bowl heights? <sighs> Maybe slightly, but not a big one. Clearly, if I've put them as a ten-win team, it's just I said that that it's a really hard division, and they've got other divisions that are hard that they're facing. Mm. Uh, and then you know you look at you know the, the turnover. Von Miller's not there anymore, thankfully for us. Um, you know they've lost coaches. 
McVeigh does a really good, annoyingly, does a really good job at like holding it all together and, you know, being the glue and, you know, making these appointments and not really losing any steam. But um, I just think they're, we, we said it, like, even when they won, you know, the, the Super Bowl last year, look at their roster and it's so top heavy. Yeah. And, and that's what they've done. They, they, they've done that deliberately, you know, they've, they've traded away of the draft picks. Um, you know, that's not by accident what they've done. And, you know, it's clearly won in the Super Bowl, so you can't really argue against what they've done. But I think at some point, surely, you know, they can't keep hitting on these no. like, day three picks. The Ernest Joneses of the world, and, you know, these kind of guys. I, I just feel like they're a strong team. They'll make the playoffs because the NFC is a weak conference. Um, but I don't expect them to go back to the Super Bowl. Um, we won't go down the route of doing the postseason stuff, you know, during this. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, I don't see them making it too far when they actually make the playoffs. So uh, yeah, so that's it. So shall we move on and just look at what we've um, betted on as a result of what these yeah. standings look like? Should I start off then? Um, yeah, go I've for got it. Five over under bets for teams that I quite like the look of. Um, yep. So the Bills, obviously, I always have a bet on the Bills. The the line is eleven and a half. I've got them as the on the over for that. I think you can really debate. I think it's a tight one, honestly, but I, I would back it because it's a, it's, a, it's a bet that I want it to come off. So I always like to have bets that I want to happen when it comes to the Bills. Um, but then the four that are they're not Bills, we've got the Patriots under their line of eight and a half. I think the Patriots are in real trouble, honestly. I think this Dolphins team is massively improved. I think the Jets have improved. And I think that this this mess they have in terms of offensive play caller is really going to hold them back. It's not never good to mess around with your um, your offensive coordinator um, in a sort of you know, sort of second year um, quarterback. I think Matt Jones is limited. I think they're um, they could be struggling to hit that number of eight and a half. What got, did you project for Patriots? Sorry, just to yeah, no, what no was problem, the Patriots yeah. record? So I had the Patriots at five and twelve. Oh, uh, so yeah, so quite a big gap. Um, that's that's how I kind of done mine as well. Like, if where's the biggest game, gaps? Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the biggest gap? Where's the biggest you know discretion between? What, where's the value really? Where's yeah, the value yeah, exactly? Yeah. Uh, I've done the same thing. Yeah. I've got I've got the Cardinals at under eight and a half. Um, that's again same line as the Patriots. I, I've got the I'm really low on the Cardinals this year. I'm at four and thirteen. Maybe cool. they're a bit better than that, but. I'm not sure they're four and a half games better than that. Um, so I think the under feels relatively safe, especially in that division. I've got the Giants at under seven and a half. I think they're just a year away from being able to compete again. They've got quarterback away. Yeah, they're quarterback away. And, <laughs> I don't know. I think no, I think they're Plus, more. Than that. I, I think, think they're more yeah, than that. yeah. I was yeah. going to say but that roster does a lot of problems. <laughs> you say they're a year away. I was going to say I think they're still two, well, three years away. I mean, yeah, let me put it this way: they're a year away of being able to be somewhat competitive. Um, yeah, you know, sort of more of like a five hundred team. I, I think they're, they're well under that, and I think they've got. Um, some tough opponents in the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, as well to, to contend within division. I've got the Bengals at over nine and a half. Nine and a half for the guys that made it to the Super Bowl last year. It seems insane. Yeah, um, it feels like a lot of disrespect, doesn't it? It does. And you go through their, their schedule and you think, yeah, this, this is a really talented team. I think it's a better team than last year. I had them as 14 and three, but you know, even if they're 12 and twelve and four, I think that that that, that line of, of nine and a half is crazy low. Then the other thing to bear in mind is look at where the big it, you know, bet lines follow um, where the money goes, right? So think about the big cities, the big betting markets. Um, the Patriots is a big betting market. New York is a big betting market. Bengals less so, right? So sometimes you can think about it in those sorts of terms, and you might see find some value. You know, so they 
you know, the New York fans are going to be backing the Giants, uh, well, the New Jersey fans maybe, um, and that's going to skew their line up a little bit, whereas the Bengals, um, it's a pretty small market, Cincinnati, maybe that's also going to uh, downgrade their, their line a little bit. And then I've got the, the Colts are over nine and a half. Again, I think that's a, a decent team. It's going to be really interesting to see what Matty Ice can do there. Um, but, you know, and Jonathan Taylor, they, they're always going to be in the game. Yeah. So, Sounds good. Is that your ones? Those are, mine, those are my five ones that I picked out. Bills for the over, Bengals for the over, Colts for the over, and then Patriots and Cardinals for the under. Cool. No, that sounds good. I'll go to the Colts over nine and a half because I went for it as well. Considering both had a 14 and uh, three record for the Colts. Uh, again, I didn't expect that when I'd done this. I'm still pretty high on like, the offense, the offensive line, still in pretty good shape. Uh, as you said, Matty Ice is a better quarterback, an instant upgrade to Carson Wentz. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's just going to keep getting better, I think. And then Michael Pittman, like I'll, yeah, I'll touch on this player. later. I think, you know, he's going to be a breakout star. And, you know, if they're going to get to 14 and three, you know, they're going to have to get more play out of their uh, wide receivers. And I think he's got a real chance of actually getting offensive player of the year, which I'll come to in a second. So I've gone for the Colts over nine and a half. Uh, Dallas Cowboys under 10 and a half. So I talked about this before. Mike McCarthy. Their line is 10 and a half. 10 and, and a half. See, and I've, I've gone around that level. That's rough i think that's about right honestly yeah you've gone for I, the under i've gone for the under because i've gone, got them at six and eleven and i know you know it just feels like they've lost pieces everywhere like obviously the tyron smith injury is going to be out for most of the season i lost lyle collins um on their right hand side so they're gonna have to play tyler smith and uh i think the, the guy called Steele who was playing for them at right tackle i just think their one injury you know if they lose one of those guys mm. extra they've just got nothing at offensive tackle they really struggled uh, on the lines keeping them uh, injury free last season uh, you know they've lost Amari Cooper so it's all on CD Lamb you know I really rate and I think you'll get a lot of receptions this year but outside of him Dalton Schultz you know and then on defense and I think um Quinn He's a really good uh, defensive coordinator. He showed, you know, done a really good job um, with that defense last year. Mm. But outside of, um, you know, Trayvon Diggs, who had 12 interceptions, and Michael Parsons, who had a, he was just sublime last season, they don't really have too much else in that team. So I feel like, you know, everyone's really high on the Cowboys because it's a Cowboys, because it's America's team. Well, but yeah, yeah, just to contradict myself, you know, well, not to contradict myself, contradict my predictions. You know, this is a big, big betting market. There's a lot of Cowboys fans out there and they're more likely yeah. to back their team to be the over. So that line should be skewed a little bit higher than it actually uh, realistically is. Yeah, and then going next to their divisional rivals, the Eagles have got over nine and a half. As I said, the, the NFC East, they have a pretty soft schedule uh, when you look at the divisions they have to play. I think Eagles by far are, are the better team. They're almost a complete team. I think Jalen Hurts has got a lot to prove this season, but he's kind of got everything there. He's got he's got the O-line. He's got AJ Brown brought into this weapons uh, with, with Devontae Smith. Um they had a really good uh, running game towards the end of last season. Uh, they've got uh, Dallas Goddard. You know, uh, that defense on paper has got really good personnel. Uh, they've traded for uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, today, uh, which is a really good pickup based on the picks that they gave over. Uh, James Bradbury, um, Darius Slay, of course. 
uh, their front four. You know, they always prioritise those investments on the trenches. Uh, Hassan Reddick. I just think that group as well was really underrated. And as long as uh, Jonathan Gannon actually allows them to play and, you know, is aggressive and gets after the quarterback, I think they could be one of the best defences. I, I felt like I've said that two or three times today, but Eagles, I really do feel really high on them. Yeah, so, it's a talented um, team, isn't it? I think they've done a fantastic offseason, really. I'm not a big Eagles fan at all, but I know a few people who are Eagles no. fans. And yeah, I think that, that division needed to get better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really the prime, you know, you look at yeah. the Giants and Commanders, they're not going to do anything this season. So um, the only other um, over-under on team bets for me is the Bears are under six and a half. I've got them at two and 15 we talked about you know the state of that roster and I really like Justin Fields you know I had him as 0.05 away from Trevor Lawrence I need to add that class. to my list that's a great shout that's an yeah, easy one isn't it that's, the yeah. line's six and a half yeah that's six a and a half under, yeah without a doubt I've got a few more though so uh, a few Buffalo Bills ones so I've got the Bills winning a division and mm-hmm. the Rams making a playoff this is my favourite bet at nearly evens 10 to 11 so there's not seven more teams in that uh, NFC conference that are better than the Rams. Rams will make it some way, somehow, unless Stafford gets injured or something stupid happens. I think that's a complete banker, uh, especially when we talked about the AFC East and the fact that I think the Bills are five games, you know, by far the best team in that division. What else Um, did you get for Rams making the playoffs? What did I get for them? Yeah, yeah. What odds or records? Yeah, did you, did you, yeah, sorry. Did you say that was the bet you went for? That yeah, so it's Bills to win the AFC East and yes. the Rams just to make a playoff, so not win the division. Ah, okay, right. So they could just come seventh uh, yeah, and get a wildcard spot. You, what what were the odds for that? Um, 11... Rams. 11 10, so just okay. under yeah. evens. Yeah, so that's really big. And then yeah. five of the division winners, this was just a grouped up um, as available on Sky Bet. But Colts, Eagles, Bills, Bucks, and pa- Packers, who have all got to win their divisions, all to win their divisions at 18 to 1. And then just a small one, defensive rookie of the year, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and most receiving yards, uh, Justin Jefferson. I think that was like 500 to 1, so I just stuck 50p on it. You know, it's plausible. I think Hutchinson, from what we've seen in hard knocks mm. and kind of a high floor that we saw in college and what we projected in the NFL, I think that's going to come through and he's going to get a good amount of sacks, like an eight, nine number, and that should be enough to win it, really. And then Justin Jefferson, he's one of the best in the yeah. NFL. So, uh, yeah, I picked, I picked him as well. So, yeah, that's my bet. So I've got a few Bill-specific ones, if we want to go yeah. through those. So um, I think the Josh Allen rushing yards line is interesting this year. It's at 560 and a half. He had 763 last year, but in 2020, he only had 421. I think this better offensive line is going to create space for the running backs. I think James Cook is going to uh, be utilized in places where Josh Allen may have scrambled before. I think you're going to see some more dump off some screens. I think they're going to put more weight onto the running backs, and I think that's going to reduce Josh Allen's line load back down to something a bit more normal so i think he'll be higher than that 420 uh, in 2020 but i don't think he's going to be as up as the 763 that he had last year so i think 560 i think and a half i'd go slightly under that i think that's an interesting bet i've got Dawson Knox receiving yards. Um, the line is 525 and a half. Gone for the over on that. He had 587 last year. And I think this offensive line, this, this offense is going to back a slightly more tight end focused uh, approach. You know, we know that they probably want to play more 22 personnel, more tight, two tight end sets. We've also got slightly less experienced wide receiver core and you know Knox is fast becoming one of those more dependable guys for Josh so I think even if he matched last year that that over bet is going to work I think that actually we'll see something more like 700 yards or something from Knox this year 
Nice, no. That sounds all really good. Uh, not one more. Oh, one final sorry, one. go on. Yeah, no worries. Um, yep. Singletary rushing yards. The line's at seven, seven, five and a half. But last year he had eight seventy, and obviously the, I think the, the market's expecting some of that to go to James Cook. But remember, this is a much better offensive line, and they really did share snaps a lot of the year with with Moss. So I think he's actually going to go over that that seven, seven, five and a half. I think this is going to be a better rushing, more effective rushing offense with that better O line. I think he'll, he'll go over that seven, seven, five and a half. Maybe he doesn't get to the eight seventy that he got last year, but I think uh, that's a pretty comfortable over for me. Yeah, no, that all sounds good. It's funny actually because when we dig into these, um, you know, the Bills betting strategy we're going to have uh, for the first few weeks of the season. Uh, a few of those bets that you've done for the season, I've done. I, I will be keeping a close eye on uh, at the start of the season uh, in the first few weeks. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, so we'll talk about that now then, just about the overall, just kind of what where we are in terms of what we've seen in the off-season, uh, in terms of players added. It can be anything, just kind of really our thoughts and just kind of what we think the Bills are going to do, uh, you know, at the start of the season, really, to and what we're going to earmark as a result um, when we look at our betting. So for me, if I was to start... Um, all of the moves that have been made on the offense is to improve run after a catch. Um, I've heard it on Robert Mays, uh, the Athletic Football Show podcast. Uh, he was at Bill's training camp, and everyone he spoke to there was saying how you know they're trying to find easy run after a catch opportunities, uh, and how that's been kind of a heavy focus. Uh, during training camp and obviously when you look at the, the moves they've made drafting James Cook who's arguably one of the best uh, receiving backs uh, in the draft uh, drafting Khalil Shakir as well signing uh, Jameson Crowder and even OJ Howard I know he's not here anymore but you know when he was brought in he was seen as that you know the, the upgrade at tight end two and he had that rack ability um, you can look at um, you know just the fact that with a scheme and you play cooler uh, in uh, Ken Dorsey. I think we'll see more dump, dump offs and screens and, you know, that kind of thing to try and uh, encourage that run after the catch and try and get that num- number to increase. So, th- therefore, based on all of that, I'm looking at James Cook over on reception yards and Dawson Knox too. So, not necessarily on the receptions because I think for James Cook to get acclimatized to the NFL, I don't think we'll see a lot of. You know, catches, you know, I don't think in week one he's going to be out there making five catches from the backfield. But I feel like if he does get, you know, that chance, he is going to get some decent rack. And especially because he's a rookie and, you know, the bookmakers might not have seen him or know his game. You know, I feel like they could have quite a low line on that and and as well as Dawson Knox I think they'll use some like tight end screens. I think they'll do some funky stuff like that. So those are two you know, that I've earmarked. So kind of going away from the receptions and looking at the yards is mm-hmm. kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to go for the first mm-hmm. few weeks. Yeah, I think I'm going to sort of, in, in the past, you and I would have banked on, say, a Beasley number of receptions or a, a Stefan Diggs number of receptions. I think it's been much more balanced than that. I think they're really going to spread it around. We've seen this wide receiver core look really good in the pro, in the, in the preseason. So, you know, Khalil Shakir is going to get some run. Jameson Crowder is going to get some run. Isaiah McKenzie is going to get some run all at slots. Um, so I think that what we're going to see is the targets spread around a little bit more evenly than perhaps we'd have expected. They're going to look for the mismatches. And I think you're right. I think we'll see James Cook using the passing game. I think that will be something they might use as a bit of a distraction to start off with. You know, we're expecting um, 
you know, maybe more screens and a bit more pace injected to this, this offense, but the fear of pace and having James Cook head out towards the sideline at the snap, that's going to force those linebackers to edge their hedge their bets. It's going to open up stuff over the top through the middle for the um, for the for the for the slots and, and for the tight ends. I just think it's going to be just a more diverse, and they're going to be more offense. And I think they're going to they're going to be a bit more. I say opposition specific. I mean, the reality is Josh Allen is is just incredible, and he can do almost anything. But I think they want to want to take a little bit of that load off him, exactly as you said and allow the other offensive skill players to take a little bit more of the burden. So he doesn't have to, you know, do those crazy scrambles and, um, and force him into having to make, um, you know, be, be superhuman uh, regularly. So I think we're going to see not necessarily a bigger run um, focus, but I think we're going to see a more effective run focus. And that plays into something you were said earlier about look at the yards, maybe more so than the receptions. I think that those rushing yards will be interesting to keep an eye on in those early stages as they begin to establish this offense. Yeah. But I think they're going to go opposition specific. And I think, you know, each week we'll look at bets that are, we think play to the bill strengths and, and, and uh, attack the opposition's weaknesses. And we'll try and pick those out. But I think we'll, probably be much less focused on wide receiver receptions than perhaps would have done in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, where were you in terms of uh, um, like looking at bets on the rushing yards? Like overall, you said that, um, you know, you come for Devin Singletary over on, on, on the amount of rushing for the season. But in terms of like the game splits, like, yeah, do you have a feeling they'll run the ball more? Like when I look at this, I think, it won't be run heavy, you know, it won't be no. like a 60-40 split towards... And you've got uh, Josh Allen, right? Game, but yeah, no, So you're going to use Josh Allen and, you know, he gets a lot of freedom to to make calls at the line um, and adjust things based upon what he sees. There'll be a lot of people that are scared of Josh Allen and will play accordingly. You'll see, you know, um, a lot of more sort of zone coverage. You'll see people keeping their safeties back, perhaps, you know, to this, those so shell looks, perhaps, because they're worried about Josh Allen's arm and Davis and... and, and um, and digs down the field is definitely going to be scary for 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 some opposition, especially those where the cornerbacks are not so strong. But that's going to open up opportunities for others. I just think we're going to see, you know, a lot of scared defenses worried about the big play, and that's going to open up so that short and medium term passing game, and that's where Josh is going to feast. But I do think we'll see a little bit more running, but a, and a little bit less running from Josh. So I think that the, yeah. the weight is going to go from some of these scrambles and these design runs to a little bit more, you know, screens and. Um, uh, and, and Singletary. I think Singletary, when he's got a good, good offensive line, has proven to be a very effective runner in this league. You know, yeah. I mean, he's not a top 10 running back, but he's, you know, he's middle of the pack and he's effective if he's got a reasonable offensive line that can play, um, you know, um, uh, a zone sort of scheme, a wide zone type scheme. I think that's more his, more his, his game. So, I think we'll see a little bit more rushing. I think we'll see a more effective rushing game. We'll see more yards gathered by the rush, but this is still a Josh Allen's offense and I don't yeah. expect they're going to go too far away from it. Yeah, and that's why um, all of that you summarized really well, like single two uh, rushing yards over is one I'll be looking at. So not only the James Cook over on um, reception yards and Dawson Knox, but single two rushing yards I'll be looking at more. And we talked, you mentioned it earlier, like, I'm a little bit more reluctant to bet on wide receiver receptions mm. uh, until we've seen it on the field. Uh, unless it's silly value, like if it was Gabe Davis, three and a half receptions, then yeah. I think it's wide receiver two. He's more likely than not to get that. Um, but ultimately, there's been 100 plus targets lost from Sanders and Beasley. So even if we use 
you know, running backs in the passing game more, 12 personnel, etc. The wide receivers will still get a good amount of receptions. So, as I say, I'm reluctant to do it to, to start with. If we see, you know, the spread game and, you know, 70-30 split and more passing, then I'll be going back onto that strategy of um, the receptions well, overs. But I did look at the number of receptions, what the line was for Gabe Davis. It's 57 and a half, uh, which I thought was an interesting number because last year he had 35. But Emmanuel Sanders had 42. So are we really expecting Gabe Davis to get, you know, what, 20% more receptions than I think than Gabe Sanders Davis did last, last season missed a good two or three games as well. Because I've done this, um, I looked at this, and if you if he played those games, you'd be looking at that, um, you know, around that line as well. Um, maybe it wasn't um, that he missed games. Uh, I might be getting confused there, but it was, there, there was a period where he had like six games and only 10 targets. But after that, if you take the average across a full season, yeah, it gets you that 57. So even what? if we, yeah, just plays to that level. Then, I think, yeah. I think the line's about right is what I would say. As I, I think it's going to be, he's going to be taking the Sanders number of receptions, maybe a little bit more, I was a little bit underwhelmed by Sanders last year, if I'm honest. And I think that Josh was trying to force it to him, certainly at certain times in the season. Um, you know, obviously Beasley's not there, and it'll be interesting to see who he depends upon in the, in the slot. I'm expecting the tight end uh, targets to go up a little bit. So I actually think that's a reasonable line. I, I, I'd find it hard to pick. It was, it might even be a little bit high given the Sanders only had 42. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see where, the, where they're setting this based upon what they think the Bills offense is. But I just think it's going to be game by game specific. And I think we're going to see radically different strategies one game to the next based upon the weaknesses that we find. Yeah, no, it all sounds good. Um, do you have anything to add, like any other strategy tips or anything? I think uh, I've gone through all of mine. Uh, so all good, yeah. Looking and forward to it now. Absolutely exciting. We're only, what, just over a week away from um, from the first first game. And uh, yeah, next week we'll do a, a preview of um, the Rams game. But be- between this pod and the next and, and the preview, what you're actually going to hear are some AFC East previews. As Tim mentioned last time, we've had um, some UK fans of the uh, Patriots, uh, the Dolphins and the Jets come on. And uh, we're going to interview each of those and talk a little bit about those teams. So you've got a bit of a sense of where the division's shaping up. So, so look out for those short snappier pods that in between this one and our uh, our Rams preview next week yeah that sounds good fantastic all right well um Needless to say, thank you so much. If you've listened to all of this, uh, it's been a lengthy one, longer than our recent pods. I really appreciate you um, sticking with Bills from afar. Um, feel free to get in contact with us. If you've got any questions or you've got ideas for the show, please go ahead. We are billsfromafar at gmail.com. If you want to email us, I am charlie underscore sport on Twitter. He's timrose 90 Or you can DM us at billsfromafar on Twitter as well. So until next time, go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>